Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me one more time to Psalm 51. I know you guys never thought when I said we were going to be in Psalm 51 for the next six weeks that we'd actually make it six weeks, but we, we've got six weeks here, and honestly, we could go back through again and, and bring out brand new revelation about what the Word of the Lord is saying to us, but it has been exciting to be uh, in this Word with you. As you're transitioning there uh, this morning, I do want to mention to you, um, especially those of you who, ladies in the house, uh, those of you that are watching online that our ladies holiday gala is fast approaching and not only is it fast approaching but it is fast filling uh, ticket sales are going at a exponential rate and if you're one of those people that wait until like a couple of days before which you know it's, if I can go King James on you here which is the manner of some um, then you, you may be left without a seat this year because it is filling up that quick. So you'll want to jump on faith-assembly.org today or on the Church Center app today and go ahead and reserve your spot for the Ladies' Holiday Gala. Also, if you, uh, Pastor Lisa says they need a few more table hosts, hostesses, so if you can do that, if you love decorating stuff and see Pastor Lisa, she would be happy to help you with more information about that. So... Uh, are you ready for the word? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So for several weeks now, we have been um, in Psalm 51. We've been visiting David in this posture of prayer as he's calling out to the Lord for repentance after the occasion of his uh, adultery with Bathsheba and subsequent murder of her husband Uriah the Hittite. Uh, the prophet Nathan comes and uh, ministers a word to David it's a word of conviction and here we find David in the appropriate response postured before the Lord pouring his heart out calling out to be revived to be restored our series has been of course titled revived and we've been talking about what it means to live and walk in the fullness of what God has for us as opposed to vacillating between the extremes that we can often find ourselves, you know, the, the highs and the lows. We, we want to kind of eliminate those and just kind of live on a continuum of walking in the fullness of what God has in store for us. Amen? So with that thought in mind, we're going to come back in for several weeks now. We've been tracking. We've seen David uh, speaking about repentance. We've, been, we've seen David expressing his reliance on the Lord. We've seen David yielding himself to the transformative work of the presence and the power of God. And we've been seeing David call out for the presence of God. And now we're kind of getting to one of these culminating features in this revived life. You know, one of the main topics in our world today is the topic of uh, depression and anxiety. We hear much, much more about this as a, as a subject matter than I can ever remember at any point in my life. I don't know if it's just because we're talking about it more and more openly or if it is, if it is actually uh, a more pressing phenomenon in our society. I believe it could be a combination of both of those things. 
uh, because we are a people who live without margin for the most part. And when you live without margin, you're going to live in anxious spaces. You're going to live without any kind of reprieve from the pressures of life, and that's going to bring that to bear in your being. So um, we've, we've, seen, we've seen David here, and now he's going to call out for what will be a culminating effect in our lives if we employ all of these other things and posture ourselves as David did for God to do this magnificent work of revival in his own heart and life. And we find David here in chapter 51, verse 12, and he prays this prayer. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now, in this, in this passage, I want you to note that David calls out specifically for a certain kind of joy. It's not a joy that anything else of this earth will bring into your life. It's not a joy that can be found in any other activities. It's not a joy that can be found uh, through any other means except through salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. The, 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 the peace that is known in knowing that I am right with God. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will fill the void. There is in your life, there is in my life a God-sized, God-shaped void. And regardless of what we try to shove in it, Nothing else is going to fit. Nothing else is going to satisfy the need, the gap, the chasm that exists there. So David is calling out specifically for the joy of the Lord's salvation. And I want to spend a few minutes today talking about what is the joy of salvation and what makes it unique. And for a fuller explanation of that, I've asked you to turn to Psalm 51. But now I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and we're gonna we're gonna pick up this word here that Peter speaks to the church because sometimes we have to uh, contextualize things and we have to we have to step out of the Old Testament co uh, context that David in which David is speaking and we have to step into a New Testament experience kind of to get a fuller revelation for ourselves so I want to take you there and in the King James Bible we find a rare word and that word is unspeakable or we might say inexpressible unexplainable even because it's a word that describes something that try as we may I told you a couple of weeks ago that I believe that as John in the book of Revelation is sharing with us the revelation that Jesus the resurrected Lord has given him of heaven and all of its splendor all of its glory that he is trying to the best of his human vocabulary and probably still falling short to convey to us word pictures of what heaven is like but truly it's inexpressible it's unspeakable if you will because I don't believe that mortal tongue can accurately convey all of the glory and the splendor of heaven. 
Here, in, in the, in the, if you're reading in the King James Version of the Scripture, which I generally am not, but I am going to here for a few minutes, we're going to find uh, three verses. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, Thanks be unto God for this unspeakable gift. That unspeakable gift is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul describes that as an unspeakable gift. It's inexpressible. We can't, we can't fully assign with the, with the human language the weight and the gravity and the value of the gift that has been given. Also, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, says, tells us about how that he was caught up into paradise and he heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for man to utter. In other words, he heard things that it's not, it, it's not in the human vocabulary, again, to communicate to us. And then we find in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, Peter says, whom having not seen... You love, how many of you have seen Jesus? None of us. Not in the flesh. So we are contextually right on cue with these people to whom Peter is writing his letter. And he says, whom having not seen, you love. How many of you love Jesus? In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice. Now, we're going to have to set a little bit of a different tone for the remainder of this service because we need some joy in the house. We need, we need some joy in the house of the Lord. I know, I know just by direct connotation that we call this the early service, it adds a little extra burden to you today. But can somebody get excited in the house of the Lord today? Can you be thankful for what Jesus has done for you? Can you just rejoice in the unspeakable gift of salvation that you have received today? Amen. Amen, amen. But Peter says, yet believing you rejoice with unspeakable joy and full of glory. So we turn to the text today, 1 Peter, beginning in chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersions, in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, bit, um, uh, I practiced this 15 times before I left my office, and I said, that's going to get, it's just one of those things, you just, I just can't say it right, okay? Bithynia, there we go. Hey, all right. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That's a, that's a, that's a break there for some of that rejoicing that we've been begotten again, or we might say born again. We don't hear that terminology much anymore, but to be born again means that you've been raised from your 
spiritual death in your trespasses and sin and been made alive together in Christ Jesus to set in heavenly places. Come on, somebody. He has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, have not, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with inexpressible joy, full of glory." Today I want to talk to you about unspeakable joy, inexpressible joy, joy that's full of glory, the joy of salvation. It's not inexpressible and it's not unspeakable because it's hard to find or remains a mystery. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that the gospel would be conveyed in such simplicity that even a child, could understand and could receive. I believe that every time our kids' church lines up in here and they baptize those children once they've come to the age of understanding and they can articulate to you that they have understood the sinful condition that they were in, they have repented of the sins and they have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I believe they're just as saved as you and I are. Because salvation is not assigned to an age, it's not assigned to a gender, it's not assigned to a demographic of person. It is assigned to those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, who have come to him in repentance and acknowledged their shortcomings before him and said, cleanse me, Lord, and make me whole. And Lord, I yield to you. And we are saved. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. It's not because it's hard to find or a mystery or something difficult to get into. It's because there are so few who seem to be able to find it that it's not because it's so hard. It's because we are so reluctant to walk in yieldedness. What an incredible statement. These believers had never seen Jesus as Peter did, yet they were able to love Jesus and rejoice with indescribable joy. They were in a great deal of tribulation. They had been scattered abroad due to Christian persecution. And you have to ask yourself, how could they have unspeakable joy? And why am I spending so much time on the lead up of this? I'm spending so much time on the lead up of this to tell you that the joy, first of all, of God's salvation is non-consequential. In other words, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. What matters most, child of God, is what's happening on the world inside of you. 
And that's true in so many, so many contexts and with so many principles of our Christian faith. You know, I, I just say this over and over again that it just seems like many in the church can just adopt what I call the chicken little complex. I mean, life comes along and thumps them on the back of the head and all of a sudden the sky's falling. You know, they just, they don't know which way's up anymore. They're not sure if God loves them. They don't know what they've done to, to just deserve all this. You know, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? You know, and it, we, just, we just get in a, in a tizzy and lose. Not lose. We, we don't lose, but we have robbed from us. The word says that your adversary, the devil, comes in as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's, he's, the, he's a liar, the father of lies, and he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so oftentimes, you've you got to go back to that, imp, that imperative word there that is as a lion. He's as a lion. Actually, he is toothless and defeated, and he roars real loud, but he really doesn't have any strength to his roar. All he can do is come and threaten, but you are sheltered safe in the hand of God. The grace of God will carry you through every trial and every circumstance. He may not always speak peace to the storm, but he can always speak peace in the storm and quiet the heart that is within you, because what's going on in the world around you is no ways as important as what happens in the world in you but these people have been scattered abroad and and the reason I'm pressing on this today is so that we don't lose sight of what the Lord's done for us just because we encounter a little bit of hardship they they had seen a great deal of tribulation they'd been scattered abroad due to Christian persecution and we ask, how could they have unspeakable joy? As David calls out, again, this is not just any kind of joy. It's the joy of the Lord's salvation. And, you know, David, like many of us, could just say, well, Lord, give me, give me my joy back. I don't want my joy back. Because I can tell you what my joy is. My joy is 100% circumstantial. I'm not going to be happy in life I'm not gonna be joyful in life unless everything's pushing up roses and coming out exactly the way that I have calculated in life that they should that's when I'm gonna be happy that kind of joy is worlds between experiences with it and very fleeting when it happens right we are we are high today and one little thing, and we are train wrecked tomorrow. We're up and we're down. We're back and we're forth. So David says, I need this, I need this consistency in my life. I don't want the fickleness of my own joy. I don't want the fickleness of the things that satisfy and suit me. I want the joy of your salvation that even when I'm facing opposition, even when the world is coming in on me, closing in on me, I can still have joy in the midst of every circumstance. Lord, I've lost my joy. How many of you ever said that? I've just lost my joy. Lost my joy. Well, get it back. Get it back. Get it back. Go on down there to the enemy's camp. Take back what he stole from you. You've got the authority to do that. 
you and, you and Jesus just, just march right on in. No knock, no grace, just like you own the place. Just go right on in the door and take it back. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. It's your inheritance in Christ Jesus that you can walk in joy. Now, why? Why rejoice? Let me, let me just give you a few bullet points here this morning. Number one, we can rejoice in salvation, and salvation's joy is different because it's rooted primarily in the fact that we have, as Peter says, been born again. That we have been born again. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. That is what it is... This is what it meant to be begotten again. We find it in John chapter 3. This is what Jesus described to Nicodemus. He said, Jesus answered. Nicodemus was one of the rulers of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night. He said, Lord, what must I do to have salvation? And Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you that no, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you that you must be born again. This is the primary reason that you and I as believers ought to rejoice. That we ought to be joy-filled. Listen, eternity is at stake. Before you and I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. The wages of sin for your life and for mine was death. And you say, Pastor, that doesn't make any sense because all men are going to die. Statistics show that given enough time, 10 out of every 10 persons is going to perish. But this is not about the death of the physical man. The death of the physical man is a part of the curse of sin. But what is being spoken of here is the life of the eternal being that is in you that is shaped and fashioned in the likeness of God and intended to spend an eternity with Jesus like we talked about last week. It's life everlasting, and the contrast of that is a life apart, separated from the presence of God, where there's weeping and wailing and the gnashing of teeth and utter darkness that's there, and all that will replay in our minds for eternity is what if. I want to tell you something. That's one of the most torturous questions right now for things that have only temporal consequence. How many of you have ever done something and thought to yourself a week later, what if? I'm the only one? I mean, what if? I mean, and it's terrible. It, it just sucks all the life out of everything that you're trying to do. What if? What if? What if? You know, what if I do this thing and this thing happens? I mean, we've got a continuum of contingencies, and we just don't know how to stop it sometime and rein it back in. Just make a choice and do something for crying out loud, right? And we can run our, but what if you have eternity to replay every opportunity that you had to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? What if you have all of eternity to think about every time that the Spirit of the Lord moved on your heart and drew you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And over and over and over in a place of torment for eternity, you're thinking, what if? What if? But the joy of it for you and I today, church, is this. We don't have to spend eternity thinking, what if? We, we will be living in the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. There was a time when the Lord had sent his disciples out. And 
to do his work. He, he, he called them, he commissioned them, he sent them out. And while they were out, Jesus had made them these promises. He said, listen, when you guys go out, you're going to find out all of these miraculous things about walking in the power and the anointing of God. You're going to find out that, that demons are subject to you and you know, all of the, you're going to heal people in the name of Jesus and you know, you're just going to flow in the gifts and all these things. And, and they went out and they, they conducted ministry and they found out that it was exactly like Jesus said that even the demons were subject to them and they could, they could speak healing into the lives of people and, and they, were, they were set free from all kinds of things and you know, they came back rejoicing and telling Jesus all about it. However, during their rejoicing, Jesus taught them this powerful lesson. He says this, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall, like, fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among the snakes and the scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. That's it. If, if, we, were to, if we were to have a healing service in here today, and we were to see people set free and delivered from things, there would be people all over Facebook and Instagram and all over the place. Next week, the place would be filled to a capacity because everybody would want to come and see the miracle. But I'm here today to tell you, church, that the greatest miracle is not in the deliverance and the healing. The greatest miracle is in a life that is set free by the blood of Jesus Christ and raised to a newness of life in Him to experience life in heaven with him for eternity that is the great that is the greatest of all miracles listen I get a little bit antsy Pastor Lisa and I travel a little bit and I always the day or so before our departure I get a little bit antsy because we plan these trips out in advance and all kinds of questions come into my mind Number one, because I understand modern technology and I know that that's where the devil lives. And I don't know what he did to my reservation between the time I made it and the time I got to the hotel. Come on, somebody. So I, I will call the day or so or the morning before and just say, hey, Steve Evans here. Got a reservation with you guys. Coming in tonight, staying through whenever. Just wanted to check. And it just, it always just relieves a world of anxiety from my life. When they say, Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Evans, we have you right here. You, yep, yes. <laughs> hey, glory to God. My reservation is intact. And I'm telling you today, church, if you're anxious and you're worried and you're strung up about so many different things, 
understand this, that all of it is just for a light and temporary moment, but there is coming a day when you're going to stand before the gates of heaven and by the blood of Jesus Christ, they're going to tell you that your reservation is confirmed. The doors are going to swing open wide and you're going to be welcomed into the glory of the presence of God. Hallelujah. Sit down. We rejoice because we have a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant abundant mercy has begotten us not to some dead, dry religion. Oh my God, I could stay here for another three-week series on people that come to Jesus just for the bondage of religion to go through the paces week in and week out and week in and week out and live lives void of the anointing and the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. No, I'm telling you today, church, that the salvation of Jesus Christ didn't just awaken you or give you the entryway into somebody's little, little, little program or somebody's little organization. No, it ushered you into a newness of life and has given you a living hope. A living hope, a living hope, and his name is Christ Jesus, and he is alive and will live forevermore and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is there, and and this life is not all there is. There is a place called heaven, and if you are saved, you will go there. And you know what? I sense in this generation there's a little bit of a spirit of cynicism when people start talking about heaven and hell. There, there's just a little bit of a pushback. There's, we want to hear about the reality that heaven is greater. But there's been times past in the church when you get talking about heaven, somebody's going to get up and shout. I mean, that's just, that's all there is. You, you're going you're gonna to just stay so long on the topic of heaven and somebody's going to begin to forget about all the worldly woes and cares that they've been facing and they're going to begin with a forward glance to look at the living hope that is before them in Christ Jesus and they're going to rejoice. Not just in their heart and say... No, they're going to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Moreover, maybe even expressively glad. When's the last time that you've thought about what Jesus did for you and you've dwelt on that topic until you became, whether in the house of the Lord or in your prayer closet at home, you became expressively glad of what God had done for you? I mean, it brought tears to your eyes. It made you laugh. It, it caused you such great joy. You lifted your hands. You shouted hallelujah, whatever it was. There ought to be something about the idea that Jesus has paid it all for us that makes us exceedingly glad and rejoicing in what he's done. I got to hurry up. I, I, sometimes, though, I do feel a resistance in the spirit when I preach about heaven or hell not because people don't spend enough time with the Lord to cope with life and they expect that when they come to the house of the Lord they got to be life coached I don't I don't want to hear about in the by and by I want to hear about in the here and now 
That's all good, but I need you to help me with life. And we do want to help you with life right now, but I'm telling you, the biggest help you can get for life right now is to understand that the little mess you're going through right now is nothing when compared to the weight of glory that's going to be revealed in your life. Paul took an inventory in Romans chapter 8, and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who is subject to it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Let me tell you, the things that are keeping you awake at night aren't worth your brain power. Pray about it, give it to Jesus, and rest in Him. I'm not saying you won't be responsible for it in the morning. I'm not saying that there won't be something that you've got to handle when you get up and meet the day. But I am saying you won't have to face it by yourself. Jesus is going to walk with you through it. You're not, you're not in it alone. He's there to lead you. He's there to guide you. He's there to comfort you. He's there to strengthen you. But at the end of it all, when we're in his presence and we're beholding him as he is, what you think right now is a major complication in your life is going to be a bygone memory that is no more and never again shall enter the corridors of your mind. We rejoice because of our inheritance. Our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We've been, a, we've been awakened to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and does, that does not fade away, reserved for us in heaven we rejoice because we're kept by the power of God who are, Peter says who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time this is one of the most beautiful things about our salvation you see we are saved by grace through faith And then we are kept by the power of God, not our own. God does the saving, all of it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something, it took me a long, long, long time to understand it. Because in my early life, there was, a, there was a big disconnect between where it says, come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That ain't, that ain't what I knew. I came unto Jesus. They gave me every tablet with the pharisaical law on it 
strapped it on my back and said do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that and do another thing and don't do that and I, again I'm not telling you that if a heart that is living pursuant of the presence and the power of God is not going to walk in righteousness because you will but you will never manufacture your saving grace and you will never produce your own keeping grace either God does all the saving and God does all the keeping 100% of both of them let me let me let me alleviate, alleviate your mind here this morning before we go you were not worthy of salvation when Jesus died for you how many of you are saved Come on now. How many of you are saved? There, hey, there, there we go. There we go. Okay, good, 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 good. You were not worthy of his gift when he gave it to you. You're not worthy of his gift now that you're possessors of it. And you won't be worthy of it if you think you're walking in perfection from here on. He has saved you and he will keep you. Everybody stand all over this congregation. And in this, in this, you greatly rejoice. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, not even the manifold temptations can take away the unspeakable joy of belonging to Jesus. These believers to whom Peter writes, they may have lost all that they owned and they had been scattered throughout the region, but no matter what, they still had Jesus. And, and church, I want to tell you something. The key, one of the keys, vital keys, to living a revived life is to walk in the joy that Jesus gives. It's great to get extra blessings. It's great to have things turn out your way. It's great to have what you want and all of that's wonderful. But if you've got Jesus, you've got everything. If you've got Jesus, it doesn't matter what you don't have. Your life is full. Your life is complete in Christ Jesus look to him for the joy of his salvation amen every head bowed and every eye closed those of you that are watching online I want you to listen to me real close for the next few minutes if you're in this place today and you say pastor Steve I am not a hundred percent sure that if life ended for me today and eternity was decided whether I would spend that in the presence of the Lord or away from it. Furthermore, I don't know anything of this joy that you're speaking about today because I am away from the Lord and I, I've not experienced His salvation. I'm not walking in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I just want to invite you to slip a hand up all over this congregation real quick before we move on. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to pray with me. Father, we love you and we thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness and make me clean. Help me to live reliant on you day after day. Help me to seek your presence every day. And Lord, give me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. And God, we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. And we thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.